Good morning and welcome to Glendale Christian Church. I'm really excited that all of you have decided to worship with us today as we kick off our new series, What God Says About Money. Now I know what you're thinking. There's a little bit of worry and trepidation that comes along with this, and I understand I am a preacher. Preachers oftentimes get lumped into the same group as used car salesmen, sorry Owen, um, or lawyers, those who are always after the quick grab of cash. I'm not here today to ask for your money. I'm not here today to answer the question, how much should you give to the church? Nope. Today, what I want to do is lay a foundation. I want to lay a foundation. I want to talk about a very, very important principle that will help us understand what God says about money. I believe that there is one key fundamental principle to our orientating our lives appropriately. Our lives might be oriented towards something that's not good, or it could be oriented towards something that is very, very good. And as we talk about our text today, we will see this principle at play in various applications. But I understand the worry that we have when preachers start talking about money. After all, worry and money go hand in hand. How many of you have gone to fill up your tank lately? Yeah, you worry. Is it going to be over a hundred this fill up? And for many of you, it is. I remember when I could fill up my little Ford Focus for 15 bucks and now it's 45. I hate it. I know that some of you worry every time you open up the mail because you see, oh, how much is City Utilities taking from my account this month? And, and you think, oh man, you start worrying about the money. Or you get the mail and you open up, or you get the email and you open up the 401k statement and you start thinking, uh-oh, how much did we lose this time? I know that worry and money go hand in hand because we oftentimes worry about money. It's a very natural thing because we need money for all sorts of purposes. God understands that we need money because money is the means by which we accumulate the food to put on our table for our family. Money is the means by which we provide to get the house for our family in which to live. Money is the means by which we clothe ourselves. We live in a society where we need money. God understands that and He has an awful lot to say about money. But worry should not be the primary thing that comes to our mind when we think about money. And yet, for some of us, Worry is exactly the first thing that comes to mind when we think about money. Now, my relationship with money uh, has not always been clearly understood or defined. I grew up in a very upper, upper middle class family. I didn't even know how good I had it. I didn't know how good I had it, but I had it good. My mom and dad worked very hard. My mom was a high school English teacher, and she instilled within me a love of the English language, of grammar, of syntax. I love crafting sentences and looking at the Word of God and understanding how language works together. My dad also worked very hard as a manager of the radiology department. He would hire and fire different x-ray techs. He would purchase and sell big multi-million dollar pieces of equipment for the radiology labs. My dad worked very hard and made good money. And I had everything I needed and almost everything I wanted. Christmas was like a present bonanza at my house growing up. And I just thought this was normal. I, I didn't even realize that I had it so well until one summer I was 16 years old. And my sister had come back from uh, her first year of college. And she was working at uh, sort of a daycare for underprivileged kids. And, and she was mentoring, like a big sister kind of thing, to a sweet little girl named Courtney. And Courtney did not have anything at all. And so we bought some school supplies. And my sister Lara invited her over to our house one day. And she said, wow, 
I didn't know you guys lived in a mansion. And I thought, I didn't know I lived in a mansion either. She said, yeah, you guys have a piano. You guys have so much. And it started to dawn on me when I was, when I was a, a teenager how good I had it growing up. Now, I also work very hard. I've pursued education. I've gone through and I've tried to provide for my family. But I understand the worry that comes in. The worry that my parents sheltered me from. I didn't realize that there was an entire year of my life growing up where my dad was paying two mortgages. He was paying a mortgage for the house in which we lived and for the house that we couldn't sell. Wow, I didn't realize that. That must have been a lot of pressure. But as a man who grew up and got married and started having children, I understood the pressure. You work hard. And so I understood what it was to have plenty, but I also have understood what it is not to have quite enough. You see, in 2008, the economy tanked. Some of you guys remember that. The economy went down, and some of you remember those, those lean, lean years. Well, in 2010 is when I got fired. It's when I lost my job and I was about to lose my house. We had to sell the house. We just couldn't afford it. I had to sell off my Superman collection. I had to do all sorts of drastic things and I could not find a job. The only job that I could eventually find was being a high school substitute teacher. And so I worked. I worked, but I realized, oh, we're not making enough money. And that was when we went on the government dole. And it was a shot to my pride and I worried an awful lot when I would take the food stamp card, the old EBD card, and I'd go pay for groceries. That was a punch to the gut. I thought, oh man, I'm such a bum. I'm not doing what I need to to provide for my family. And yet I was scrounging as hard as I could to find a job. I was still pursuing advanced education. And after a long time, the Holy Spirit finally whispered to me, oh, you realize that these programs were invented for guys like you. You're working hard to try to get on your feet and it's here to help you get there. And I realized I'm going to pay so much more back into this than I will ever receive from this in my lifetime as a contributing member of society. And my pride was put aside and I gratefully received the help that God in His provision set up through the government. And then I started getting a little bit more money. And I finally started earning enough that, because my wife started working again, uh, that we didn't qualify for the food stamps anymore. And we thought, oh great, this is going to be fantastic. Pride satisfied. Here we go. And I realized, oh, even though we make more money, we're actually worse off. And I realized, do you know that the government actually in practice incentivizes people not to work hard? Because if you're in that range where you make, eh, not quite enough, you will be subsidized so that you can have enough. But then you work a little bit harder and you start accumulating a little bit more and you no longer get that assistance and you're paying more in taxes and more in insurance and more in different things and you realize, I don't even have as much now as I did then. No wonder some people don't want to work hard. And I thought, oh, this isn't the right principle. This, is, this isn't the way it should be. And so I understand what it is not to have enough. And I understand what it is to have plenty. And right now, we have enough, but we have to tighten our belts just like everybody else because it is a worrying time out there. I understand that worry can be there. 
But worry should not be our primary approach. And I know this because Jesus said so. He said so in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn open to Matthew chapter 6. That's where we're going to be today. And you can follow along in your preferred translation, or you can read the NIV along with me on the screen behind you. As you're turning to Matthew 6, understand that these words of Jesus Christ are not merely words of a man. They are words of God in the flesh. And he has for us a series of truths that are revealed. And what I plan on doing today is giving you the principle that will help you apply these words to your lives. And I believe they can be of great, great benefit. Would you read with me Matthew 6, verses 19 through 34? Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will love the one and hate the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about for tomorrow, uh, tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. And there's so much goodness in these words. I want you to think about the three elements that rise to the fore. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. It's one or the other. And you don't have to run after all these things about which the pagans worry and about which they strive. No, no, no. Seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. And then all these things will be given to you as well. So, what is the one principle 
that can appropriately orient our lives so that we can apply these three monumental truths to our existence, it is the principle of understanding the difference between stewardship and ownership. The difference between stewardship and ownership. Stewardship is the process of managing something that belongs to someone else. Ownership is the aspect of having for yourself ownership stake in what you manage. So a steward is a manager of someone else's stuff. A good steward will rightly manage what God has entrusted to him or to her. An owner isn't entrusted with anything. They have it. They own it. It is theirs. They must manage what they have just as the steward must manage. But whereas the steward manages what belongs to someone else, the owner manages what is his very own. And here's the principle. We are stewards, not owners. If we embrace stewardship rather than ownership, we can rightly orient our lives towards God. But if we believe that we are owners of everything that we have, we're not orienting ourselves towards God. We're being pulled. We're being pulled towards orienting ourselves towards worldly concerns. So stewardship versus ownership can be applied to our big three aspects. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Consider how stewardship versus ownership plays into this. If your heart is after certain things, I can tell what that is based on where your treasure is. If I looked at your planner and I looked at your bank account and saw all your expenditures, I bet I could tell where your heart is, because I could see where your treasure is going. This is not just money, though money is a part of it. It is also the resource of time. So if I looked at what you spent your money on, I bet I could tell what you treasure. And therefore, I bet I could tell what you, where your heart is. So I would see that some of you treasure Starbucks very greatly. That's okay. You can go to Starbucks. I, I, I don't begrudge the, the girl who goes to Starbucks, the man who goes to Starbucks. I bet I could tell, based on your bank account, that you um, treasure your home very, very much. I treasure my home greatly. It is my biggest expense. I'm super proud of my low interest rate and my 20-year note and this big boy grown-up decision that we've made. But the, most of my money goes to my house. Absolutely. I treasure my house greatly. Well, why do I treasure the house greatly? It's because good things can happen in that house. That's the house in which my children grow up. I want to provide for my family. And so I work hard for the house. But I bet I could tell. And so if you spend all your money on certain things, I can tell what you treasure. I can tell if you treasure your family. I can tell if you treasure the casino gambling habit. I can tell if you treasure something or something else. And it can tell me where your heart is. Same with your time. If I can tell with whom you spend your time, I can tell what you treasure. If you spend all your time at work, I can tell that you treasure work, you treasure responsibility, you treasure getting things done, perhaps to provide for your family. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. But if I see that you don't get to spend enough time with your actual family, I can see that there's tension involved. And it may seem like there's a heart divided. Now in life, things are very, very complicated. But I'm so grateful for my son, Clark. 
For my son Clark is 10 years old, and for him, it is not complicated. For him, things are pretty simple. Now, Clark is a special needs little fellow. He's got Down syndrome, which means that his 23rd chromosome, um, he's got a, a third aspect, trisomy 21. His 23rd chromosome has these. So every aspect of his body is different from a typical person. And since the soul of a person uses the eyes to see and the ears to hear and the brain to think, a person with Down syndrome who has a body that is different from a typical body has to, the soul has to use eyes that are different and has to use ears that are different and has to use a brain that is different. And I recognize that Clark does not think about everything the same way I think about things. And that's a good, good thing. For I'm a man who is prone to worry. I'm a man who's prone to overanalysis. Clark is not. Clark is a 10-year-old jovial little boy, and he has a treasure store. Oh, I'm not kidding. Clark has a place for his treasures. In his room, Clark has a dresser. And on top of the dresser, Clark places all his treasures. It's very, very awesome. He has his Miracle League baseball trophy with the little ball that spins on the top of it. He treasures this trophy very, very much. One of his favorite treasures is a prayer shawl that my wife and I picked up when we were in Israel earlier this year. We thought it would be this great uh, family thing that everybody would have. Clark saw it and immediately claimed it and put it in his treasure store. He loves this thing. And he'll touch it and he'll pat it and he'll bring it out, but he doesn't want anybody else to fool with it. That's his prayer shawl. Clark also treasures a necklace that we got from Israel. It's just a piece of string and it's just a rock that we got from the Sea of Galilee that somebody carved a little Jesus boat into. And he wants to wear his boat. He wants to wear his boat. And when he wears his boat necklace, oh, he is so proud. He'll wear it to school. He'll wear it to church sometimes. And when he takes it off, he puts it back in his treasure store. That's where his treasures go. Now, I'm very pleased to tell you that he also has a Superman action figure in his... He's named Clark after Clark Kent, after all. And so I want my boy to love Superman as much as... And so I'm very happy that he has a Superman action figure in his treasure store. But I'll tell you what Clark treasures. He treasures the little trinkets that he gets because his heart is not on these trinkets. Clark might not understand rust and moth and thievery, but he understands full well who gave him that prayer shawl. He understands fully well who gave him that boat. He understands fully well who gives him his little treasures at school. You might not think it's a great treasure, but his teachers, who are no dummies, they say, Clark, if you're a good boy, you get to choose from the treasure box, aptly named, and he will take out a sticker, or he will take out a pencil, and perhaps it'll be a Harry Potter wand, and he'll take these, he's got like 50 pencils but they are his treasure. Not because he loves the wood and the graphite lead. He loves the person who gave him the treasure. His heart is with his teacher. His heart is with his mom. His heart is with his dad. And I'm very pleased to tell you that his heart is with his God. Because also in his treasure store does he have his God books. He loves to read about Noah. He loves to read about David and Jonathan. He loves to read about Daniel and the lion's den. And his treasures are so important to him because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But I'm worried that sometimes people in our society treasure the wrong thing. I think sometimes they treasure the actual possession rather than what the possession can represent. 
There are some people who are pretty obsessed with having another house, another car, more stuff, accumulation, more and more and more. And look, I don't begrudge the person who has a mansion. I don't begrudge the person who has 20 cars. I don't begrudge the person who's a millionaire or a billionaire. Because if you are a steward rather than an owner, you understand that you do not own your house. You do not own your car. You do not own your stuff. You do not own your money. It is God's house, God's car, God's stuff, God's money. You are a steward of it and you get to use it for His glory. But an owner will use it for his own glory. An owner wants to accumulate glory for himself. It's this process of self-aggrandizement, accumulation, collection, more and more and more. Real life monopoly stuff. You just want more and more and more. If you can change your orientation from being an owner to a steward, you can recognize that it doesn't matter if you're a billionaire or a millionaire or if you've got a mansion. It's harder for these people to get into the kingdom because we're so eager to own stuff. But if you are a steward and not an owner, you can be as rich as anybody on earth. You can be Elon Musk rich. And if you are a steward, you will use God's resources for God's glory by benefiting God's kingdom. And that's awesome. I pray that Glendale has lots of rich, rich stewards. That's amazing. Because we can do a lot of stuff with God's money, but stop thinking it's your money. Stop thinking it's your house. Stop thinking it's your car. And start thinking it's God's house, God's money, God's car. How can I rightly manage God's resources? After all, you are not even your own. It's not even your body. You don't even own yourself. After all, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, your body is not your own, you are not your own, you were bought with a price. And that price is the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross to satisfy the wrath of God and pave the way for the Holy Spirit to indwell us. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit and so are you, Christian. It is not my body, I am merely a steward of this body. It is His body. Therefore, what should I do with his body? That which glorifies him and benefits his kingdom. But if I had the ownership mentality, I'd say, it's my body, my choice, my decision. I'll do what I want for my glory. Stop. If you are a believer of Jesus, it is not your body. You are a steward, not an owner. So let your treasure be not the physical things, but the one that these physical things can benefit. We need money. Our Heavenly Father knows that. But don't use it for your glory. Use it for His. Put your treasure in things above. The second principle is you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money. So think about how stewardship and ownership applies to this. You cannot serve God and money simultaneously. You can serve money all right. And there are lots of people who serve money regularly. They are in the service of money. That means money owns them. They think they own the money, but really it's money who owns them. And they are slaves to the money. And why do they need the money? Because they have to keep up with the Joneses. Why do they need the money? So they can store up barns worth of money. Why do they need the money? So that they can have the glory. But I'll tell you this. There's never been a U-Haul that followed the hearse. You don't get to take it with you. Why would you serve a useless, pitiful master when you could serve the God of the universe? Now, if you serve God, you still get to use money. You still get to use money. 
But rather than using it for your glory, you're using it for his glory. You can't serve both. You can be totally rich and Christian at the same time as long as you serve God and realize it's his money, not yours. And if you realize that you are not the owner, but you are the steward of the resources, then you can benefit his kingdom greatly. And guess what? We are all rich. We are all rich. Now, I know, city utilities took out a lot this summer because of the electric bill. And I know that health insurance is high. And I know that going to the gas pump is a kick in the gut every single time. And I understand that the 401k starts to drop and we watch the NASDAQ and the S&P. I know, I know, I know, I know. I get it. I get it. But rather than worry about that, there's something better at play. Recognize that we are rich. How many of you decided which shoes to wear today? Like you have so many shoes, you get to pick which pair to put on. Oh, all of us? Okay, we're rich. How many of you thought, should we take the van or the truck today, honey? We've got so many cars, we decide which one to use. Oh, where are we going on vacation? This expensive place or that expensive place? Hey, it's not that expensive. I bought the place. Ah, you paid for it, though. We're all rich. There are people in the world who worry about not having enough food to eat, but we will decide which restaurant to go to. We live in a different world. Don't serve the God of this world who's obsessed with money. Instead, serve God. Be a slave to righteousness. Be a slave to Him. And everything will change. And you don't have to just get rid of all your money. You can, and that might be the best move. You might need to do that because the pull to serve money might be too strong. But if you are oriented towards self and ownership, I'm telling you, stop being an owner and start being a steward of God's resources and everything will change. And one of the primary things that will change is you will stop worrying. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and these will be given to you as well. And what are these? Clothes, food, water, shelter, the necessities of life. You have the necessities of life. I can tell because I see you. It's awesome. I'm grateful that we live in a wealthy nation, in a wealthy society, in an advanced age where we have our necessities met most of the time. That's good. That's great. That's fantastic. There are people in this world who don't know what they will eat. There are people in this world who do not have appropriate clothing. There are people in this world who don't have a place to go. It's tough because they worry about these things. But what I'm telling you is that you don't need to worry about these things. You don't need to run after them like the pagan does. Some of us who have plenty, we still run after them like the pagan. Think what the pagan does. More. More, more. We reach for it. We claw for it. We want it just a little bit more. Did you know that in a recent study, when people were asked, how much money do you think you need to be well off? Most people said double what they have. So a guy making 50 said, if he only made 100, things would be fine. The guy making 100 grand said, if I made 200 grand, then everything would be fine. The guy making 14 million said, if I just made 28 million this year, then everything would be We normally think in terms of, if we had twice what we have now, everything would be fine. Okay, we're, if you have that mindset, you're running after the things of this earth. Just stop. Stop. You don't need the things of this earth you don't need them beyond the basic necessities. And if you view yourself not as an owner, but as a steward, then you can seek something else. Because if you're always running after and trying to accumulate more, you're running after self-glory and more and keeping up with the Joneses. But if you just stop thinking of yourself as an owner and you start thinking of yourself as a steward, you can run after his kingdom. 
You can grasp after His righteousness. And even though I've got two master's degrees and a PhD, I learn an awful lot from my 10-year-old son with Down syndrome. When I went into his room this morning, he wasn't playing with his treasure store. Sometimes he is. He was sitting on his bed. He had his hands folded and he was praying. And when I walked into his room, he pointed to the window. He'd pulled the shade and he pointed up to the sky and said, God, he thinks God is up in the sky because we often talk about heaven being high and being above. And so he's pointing to where God is and he's telling me that he's praying to God. Even though Clark lives in a world where he has access to a lot of stuff, his biggest concern is treasuring things that remind him of those who love him. His biggest concern is running after God. He would rather play act Bible stories than superhero stories. For that, I'm very, very grateful. He prays, and when he prays, he says, God, and then he sort of babbles, and you don't understand what he's saying. But then he will articulate the people that he loves. He'll mention Mimi and Papa and Grandma and Grandpa and Allie and Jenna and Kate, and he'll even mention Mom and Dad and Dexter Dog sometimes, and he'll mention the people that he cares for and that he loves. Clark might not understand the difference between stewardship and ownership, but I will tell you this. Clark doesn't waste his time running after all the things. He loves things just like everybody does. But the reason he loves them, I think, is because of what they represent. But Clark, in his moment where he's all alone and I surprise him walking into his room, he's praying to God Almighty. That's what I want. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for your children. That's what I want for your grandchildren. That's what I want for the entire body of Glendale Christian Church. Seek first his kingdom. And you know what's going to happen? He'll take care of these things. He'll take care of these things. Consider the birds of the field. The, the birds of the sky, rather. They do not just receive, they work. Birds don't worry, but they do work. Have you ever seen a bird go to build his nest and a bird go to get the food? A bird will work hard. This doesn't mean we don't work. Of course we work, but we work not in the mindset of an owner getting more for ourselves. We work in the mindset of a steward benefiting God's kingdom with God's resources. So how can we put this into practice this week? Here's what I would love for you to do this week. I would love for you to join with me in prayer. And would you pray about this matter? Would you pray that the concept of stewardship versus ownership would take a more central role in your life? Pray, dear God, Andrew talked a whole lot about stewardship versus ownership and I want this concept to be central to my life because I believe it could be central to my orientation towards self-glory or towards divine glory. I want to view myself as a steward of your resources. It's not mine. I'm not my own. My children are not my own. My time is not my own. Nothing is mine. It is all yours. But you have made me manager of this money. You have made me manager of this house. You've made me manager of this body and of this time. Help me use it for your glory. If you view yourself as an owner, you'll be about self. But if you view yourself as a steward, you'll be about God. And then I want you to put your money where your mouth is. I want you to demonstrate your service to God, not to money, by cheerfully giving to God's kingdom. I, I don't even care how you do it. You can tithe, you can give money here, you can uh, buy somebody else Starbucks, you can pay for somebody's food uh, in the drive-thru, I don't care. I want you to do something to benefit God's kingdom. And when you do it, I want you to do it cheerfully. 
If you do it under compulsion and reluctant, you're like, yeah, I'm going to suffer this every Then don't. Don't even bother writing the check. I don't want it. I, I, I don't want to count it. I don't want to deal with it. If it's not given joyfully, don't give it. Give joyfully to God's kingdom in any capacity. You love what that missionary is doing? Give him a check. You see that guy who needs help? Help him. I don't care. I'm not telling you how to do it. It doesn't matter how you do it. I want you cheerfully and joyfully to give of your resources of which you are manager, of which God is owner, of which you are steward to benefit his kingdom. Any way you want. Dealer's choice. It's up to you, manager. It's up to you, steward. Any way that's cheerful, do it. It will be awesome. God values my generosity. Let's show him that we value it too. And last, pray again. Please pray that worry will be replaced with work and righteousness. Worry is a big deal, and worry goes hand in hand with money. I know, I know. It's on the news every single day of your life. I know. I'm asking you to shed worry. Worry comes as an owner. Work and righteousness come as a steward. It's God's money. Let him worry about it. It's God's world. Let him worry about it. It's God's body. Let him worry about it. You manage it. You work hard. You take care of yourself. You take care of your stuff. You do it for his glory, not your own. And the worry that you have will suddenly melt away. And as this worry fades away, God's glory remains. And living for him is the best thing I can think of. You want to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness? You want to serve him and you want your heart to be in the right place? Treasure the right thing. View yourself as steward, not as owner. Would you stand with me as we pray?